0: Seated. It is great to be with all of you today and to to worship with you. My name is Corey and I serve as the teaching pastor here at our Plain City campus and um, just thank you for Ben and the team for, for leading us today. Uh, I want to let you know, if you are new with us, we have a handful of resources that are available to you. You can access those by entering lpguest.com into the web browser of your phone. That's lpguest.com, or you can scan that QR code on the back of the chair in front of you. That's going to take you to some message notes for today. It'll also take you to a a digital guest card that takes less than 60 seconds to, to fill out. If you're with us each and every week, I'd encourage you to go ahead and download the LifePoint app. That way you can access those resources and more pretty quickly, um, even when you're a- away from from here. And so today, excited to start our, our series called WOW, or Wide Open World. And this is a series where we are going to focus on how God has invited us, His church, into His mission to, to reach the world and this series is really an expression of one of our core values. That core value of reaching priority, where we will do whatever it takes to reach the one for Jesus Christ, and that core value is important to us because we believe we see it in the Bible as as God calls and uses ordinary, everyday individuals that He uses them right, men and women to advance his story, to develop his story, to move his story of redemption forward. And so we see all through the Bible, whether in the Old Testament with Abraham and Moses and Joshua to the New Testament with the disciples and Paul and Timothy, is that while God calls and while God uses individuals, it's ultimately that God does the work. So the way we're going to say that through this series is with our big idea that goes like this. We say yes because God is faithful, not because we are able. That we say yes because God is faithful, not because we are able. So over the next three weeks, we're going to take a look at some folks from the, the Old Testament where we see this yes playing out and we see God's faithfulness playing out at the same time. So if you've got your Bible, and I hope you do, or if you've got your Bible app, I want to invite you to go ahead and find Genesis chapter 12 with me and, and follow along with us there this morning. Today, we are going to focus on Abraham. Abraham. And Abraham's story really picks up speed in Genesis chapter 12, but we get some family background and some important information on him in Genesis 11. Abraham, his given name was Abram but it was later changed by God to Abraham. And so today, as we move through the text, you'll hear me say Abraham just for the sake of clarity, so we're all on the the same page. Abraham's dad, his name was Terah, T-E-R-A-H. Abraham had two brothers, and and Abraham grew up, eventually took a wife named Sarah. Um, Sadly, Sarah was unable to have children, but this is kind of, the background information we get of Abraham moving into Genesis chapter 12. And I share that with you because what we see is with Abraham, from what we can tell, he was a regular guy, living a regular life, with a regular family, and a pretty regular upbringing. And as we we pick things up in Genesis chapter 12, things get a little bit irregular because God shows up and speaks to Abraham. Verse 1 says this, Now the Lord said to Abram, or Abraham, I want you to go from your country, I want you to go from your kindred, that's your family, and I want you to go from your father's house to the land that I will show you. So here God shows up, he speaks to Abraham and says, Hey Abraham, I want you to leave your country, I want you to leave your extended family, I want you to leave any potential income that you might have, and I want you to just go to the land that I will tell you. Now, a couple things about Abraham we know at this point. Abraham was middle-aged. He was 75 years old. Now, I know that doesn't seem middle-aged to us, but Abraham was in the prime of his life because he would live to be 175, so he still had another 100 years to go. So I would love, how many of you would love 75 to be middle-aged today, all right? Like, I think I'd be kind of in teenager mode still, or young 20s with my age then. That'd be awesome. So we know Abraham's kind of middle-aged. We know that he's living in the land of Ur of the Chaldeans and he is settled there. He's settled there with his extended family. This is where he finds Sarah. This is where he marries her and settles down himself. Terah, Abraham's dad, was doing quite well for himself. So this means Abraham was probably doing quite well for himself. And with Abraham being the oldest son, it means he would would be the heir to receive any family land, any family money or honor upon his father's death. So Abraham had future income coming his way. Furthermore, what we notice in the text here is as God calls Abraham, Abraham had not done anything special to receive this call. He was not accomplished anything to earn this call from God. Abraham had no idea how God was going to use him or the end result of God using him. And and this just reminds me right off the bat, and we've said it here before many times, that God uses ordinary people to accomplish extraordinary purposes. We've said that before, but it's a great reminder just seeing Abraham's kind of normal, regular upbringing, that God uses ordinary people to accomplish his extraordinary purposes. And here's why I think this is all amazing and important for us to know. Because you see, as we get to Genesis chapter 12 here, human history is kind of at a dead end, right? From creation all the way to Genesis 11, the people, the hum- human race has, has just become more corrupt, more selfish, more prideful, and more broken. And it kind of leads up in crescendos to gen- in Genesis chapter 11 and verse 4 where the people say, right, let us build a city, a temple to the heavens, and we'll make our name great. This is the Tower of, of Babel, right? We don't have time to hang on this. I think it's like a whole other message for a, another day, but this Genesis eleven four, 4, the Tower of Babel reminds us that in life, we are either going to be seeking to make a name for God, or we're going to be seeking to make a name for our, ourselves. Right? Love to spend more time there, but we can't today. But this is where human history is at as we enter Genesis chapter 12, right? Uh, A a low view of God and a high view of themselves. But God was up to something. God was up to something. Although human history might have looked like it was at a dead end, Abraham had no idea, but God knew what he was doing. God decides to, to start things over through one man, through Abraham in this call. That that would lead to 12 tribes, Abraham's great-grandsons, that would become the nation of Israel. And this would be the primary way that God was going to reach the world to let them know about himself. This is where this story's headed. But it's going gonna, it's gonna to take a while to get there and there would be some speed bumps along the way and we see one of those with Abraham here early on we actually have to go backwards a little bit into Genesis chapter 11 and verse 31 to see this speed bump verse 31 says Terah took Abraham his son and Lot the son of Haran now this is an individual's name in a minute we're going to get a city name that's the same so but they're not they're they're two different things right So he took Lot, the son of Haran, his grandson, Sarah, his daughter-in-law, that was Abraham's wife, and they went forth from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to the land of Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. Now, I found this a little bit odd and had to do some digging because it might seem a little interesting that God called Abraham, right, we just read that, but why does it say here that Terah took? Why doesn't it say Abraham took? If Abraham was the one called, why does it say Terah took them and started off on this journey? Well, looking back at family history and the family dynamic back then, Abraham would have gone and sought the family patriarch, in this case, which would have been his dad, to see if, hey, I got this call from God. Dad, is this legit? Can you confirm this? Can you validate this? And, and, and so that's why Abraham would have went to his dad and we see Terah took. It was kind of a family dynamic here. And the, the interesting thing is Terah at this point, right, he was pagan. He had no belief and no relationship with, with, with God. And you say, well, where do you get that from? Well, Joshua 24 verse 2 tells us that Terah, the father of Abraham and of Nahor, served other gods, they didn't serve the one true God that called Abraham here. And so it's interesting to me that Terah, the leader of his family, as a pagan, validates God's call on Abraham's life. However, in these verses that, that we're reading here, something happens. Something happens. It says, but when they came to Haran, they settled there. Right? Was that the plan? Was that what God instructed when he called Abraham. Check out this map. I need maps to kind of figure out things sometimes, right? So here's this map, way down bottom right. This is where Abraham and his family start from and set out from. They're supposed to get all the way over to the left side at that arrow there where it gets to Canaan, right? So they, they set out from all the way on the right. You see that red line, and then where it stops and turns blue, way up there at the top, that's Haran. That's the city of Haran. This is where they, they, they stop, okay? And the scriptures tell us they didn't just just take a restroom break there. This wasn't just a, "Are we there yet, Mom? Are we there yet, Dad? Like, I got to go. I, I need some food, right? It wasn't like they found a Bucky's along the way. Anybody found a Bucky's? Does anybody know who Bucky's is, right? Let's go. If you don't know what Bucky's is, there you go. It is the greatest gas station in the world, right? We stopped at, our, at one of those last year for the first time. Over 100 gas pumps, you walk in, they're chopping up pulled pork and brisket in the middle of the store. There's a whole Christmas wing of this thing. It was a sight to behold, right? Like I, we drive in and I look at my wife, Kelly, and I say, this is legit." they have their own crosswalk, like not to get to the gas station. The gas station has its own crosswalk so you can navigate and, and just not get hit by the hundreds and hundreds of cars there. Anyways, that was my attempt to work. I promised my kids I'd work Bucky's into a message one day. There it is right there, okay? So it wasn't like Abraham and his family, you know, just took this pit stop, right? It, it, it says they settled there. See, Haran was this merchant city and if we were to continue on looking further in the Bible, we see that Terah, that the dad, actually decides to settle his family there, right? He verified the call on Abraham's life, but then decides to stop and settle the whole family there. And we read, that, we read on that Terah becomes a successful businessman, and there's nothing wrong with becoming a successful businessman. But where we started today, we know that wasn't the mission And I think there's a very relevant lesson for us we see in, in, in Tara at this point. And it's this, God does not call us to be a halfway Christian. See, God doesn't call us to be a halfway Christian. Let that sink in for a minute and just chew on that for a minute. That God does not call us to be a halfway Christian. Tara knew the call God had put on his son Abraham's life. Right? He validated That call confirmed it, but he decides to stop, settle, and the Bible tells us he ultimately, Terah ultimately dies in Haran. He never leaves there. Interesting Bible study notes for us today, right? Do you know what the name Terah, T-E-R-A-H, means? Right? It means delay. It means delay. Do you know what the, the word Haran means? It means parched or barren. Right? I thought that was so interesting and so noteworthy, especially in this call of Abraham. And it made me think, and I wrote down in my notes and put it in our notes for us today, there will always be people and there will always be places that try to get us to settle for halfway. There's always going to be people and there's always going to be places that try to get us to settle for halfway. And it's not always bad people in bad places. There will be good, well-meaning people in our lives, good places to try to get us to settle for halfway. I think what we see here is is also this, is that partial obedience and delay in following God leads to desolate destinations, right? That partial obedience and delay leads us to live in the land of Haran, leads to the parched and the barren land, parched and barren Destinations. Now here's where I think this, this text gets real for us today. It's where it becomes alive and active for, for you and I. It moves from thousands of years ago into our lives and our hearts and our souls right now today. Because here's the deal. Let's just be honest, right? Like, like Tara, we sometimes go halfway when it comes to God, right? I think we can all say that. Sometimes we go halfway with God. What it is is this, we want all the the Christian benefits. We want all the forgiveness of sin and the eternal life and the relationship with God. And we want the fruit in our lives and we want our church community and we want people to pray for us. And we want an amazing kids or student ministry. We want the music to be the way we want it to be. And we want our church to do what we think it should do. We want our coffee in the lobby. We want all of the benefits. And let's be honest, some of those benefits are the absolute most amazing benefits anyone could ever receive in their life. And then some of those benefits, if we're honest, right, have nothing to do with Christianity at all. But many times we want to be the Christian that gets all the benefits, but only to the extent where it doesn't affect our comfort. We want to be a Christian with all the benefits, but we don't want it to truly disturb or change or rearrange our lives too much. Sure, we're happy with Jesus or Christianity doing a, a few things in our lives, but we don't want it to get too extreme or too radical or too life-altering. So we try to figure out, hey, God, what am I allowed to do and what am I not allowed to do? What can I still get away with and what can I not get away with? What boundaries can I push? What boundaries can I, can I not push, right? Like I, I, I want in, but I don't, I'm not sure if I want to be all the way in. Listen, if that's our thinking and that's our fellowship of Jesus, I just got to be honest with you. That's just religion. That's not a relationship. That's just putting Jesus in the car with us, but never giving Jesus the keys or letting him drive. Right? A true relationship with Jesus isn't, isn't one foot in one world and one foot in the other, or having a little bit of how we used to be and a little bit of how we are now. Right, Ephesians 4.24 says it like this, Put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, and its corrupt and its deceitful desires. Says, be renewed in the spirit of your minds, put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. In doing so, right, the Apostle Paul writes to us in 2 Corinthians 5 we are to walk by faith and not by sight. Right? That if we want to remain in the driver's seat of, of our lives and remain in control, we can be very religious. But we cannot be the Christian Jesus calls us to be, and we will wind up settling for half way. And I know, I know that's pushing, and I know that's stepping on some toes today. But you see, God and Jesus just aren't some accessory. They're not some attachment. They're not some... Add on to our our lives that God did not give his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to be crucified and to be murdered and mocked and, and ridiculed for the forgiveness of our sins. So that we could have a right relationship with him so we can make just Christianity following him just a part of our lives or a section of our lives or just a Sunday attachment He did it so Jesus would literally be our life, like it says in Colossians 3. God did not call Abraham. God did not call us to be a halfway Christian. God told Abraham, hey, I want you to leave your home. I want you to leave your your relatives. I want you to leave your dad's house. I want you to go to the land I will show you, and, and here's what's awesome. Genesis chapter 12, we're back there, verse 4. It says, so Abraham went. He went as the Lord told him. Lot went with him. Abraham was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Abraham said, all right, dad, you got us halfway, but I'm not staying. I'm going all the way. And Abraham took Sarah and his wife and Lot and all their possessions and the people that they had acquired. And they set out to finish, to go to the land of Canaan. Abraham walked by faith. Abraham was all in. He was not going to settle for halfway. He was going all the way. And he gave God his yes. He was willing to invest his life in the call, in the mission, and in the promises of God. Now this reminds me of, of some of the things we've got going on right here in our church. Folks who have given God their yes and are investing in the mission of God. That being part of the, the mission just isn't something Abraham got to be a part of and do thousands of years ago. It's something you and I are a part of right here, right now, today. So I want to share that with you. So just for a moment, I want you to direct your attention. It's got a short video from a, for, for you, and then we're gonna hear from someone who gave God their yes. So watch the screen.
1: <laughs> Thank you for having me. My name is Beth Fields, and I am here from Lewis Center. It is so nice to be out here at Plain City. I think some of you came to a core class at Lewis Center one time, so I think I recognize some of you. Um, But what you just saw was a video of a group of us ladies. There were four of us, and then a man named Sean Patrick. We were there with Yohani and his whole team in Malawi, Africa, um, leading their first ever women's conference. And I love that Corey is preaching on Genesis chapter 12 because these passages I can relate to. I'm sure many of you can too. Because God called me out of sin and darkness, just like Abraham. I was a mess of a kid when God saved me, and He called me to full time ministry also. But like Abraham, God gave me promises and dreams that He had me wait. And traveling to Malawi, Africa with Finish Line Ministries International was no exception. And just, if you guys haven't heard of Finish Line Ministries before, LifePoint has partnered with them for many years. Um, Finish Line Ministries has 360 churches in Malawi, Mozambique, and Zimbabwe, Africa. And um, just last year alone, they saw 10,000 people give their lives to Christ. Now, in Malawi, people cheer for that. They say amen. So go ahead, say amen. Amen. Yes. Uh, 10,000 people is amazing. So God is doing a huge work in Malawi, Mozambique, and Zimbabwe through Finish Line Ministries. And the way this trip materialized was back in 2020, I was finishing up a master's degree from Dallas Theological Seminary, and Sean Patrick, the president of Finish Line Ministries, approached me and said, Beth, would you consider going over to Malawi and leading their first ever women's conference? They've done many things for men over the years, lots and lots of training and conferences for men, and doing something for women was their top priority. So I said, yes, absolutely, but it was 2020, and COVID hit, and the world shut down, like we all know. Um, So we had to push pause on the trip. Um, We tried to go last May in 2022, but there were still so many restrictions that we couldn't go then. Um, But finally, last month, we were able to go, and it was absolutely amazing. We had uh, a team of, I'm not sure some of you know, Heather Thomas. Lindell Bell, she, Lindell is the missions director at the Delaware Life Point Campus, and um, and then Amy Gardner. And then we also had a team of ladies there in Malawi, uh, Wazy, Jacqueline, Hilda, and Finus. They traveled with us as just leaders there who kind of, they were watching what we were doing and they were a part of it the whole time. It was incredible. We, had, we formed a really amazing bond with those, those ladies. Um, but us women, we ran three conferences, three days in a row, in three different remote villages, kind of replicating the same conference in every location. Um, Heather, Lindell, and Amy shared powerful testimonies with the ladies. I was able to share two different Bible teachings with the ladies, and we saw we were able to share with 1,400 women, and we saw 235 women give their lives to Christ. Again, you can say amen or clap or something. Um, We actually met with, as a team on Friday night, Yohani is here from Malawi. Yohani oversees um, all of the work there in Malawi. He's kind of the director, the point person for Finish Line in Malawi, and he's in the States for about 10 days. And when we met the other night, he told all of us that not only did this women's conference start like a revival in Malawi, I mean, but they really are calling this a movement. I mean, what God did was absolutely remarkable, and we are so thankful. He gets all the glory. Um, but this did not happen without great struggle. I mean, just like Abraham, just like Corey was just teaching on, um, and like I shared, I mean, this was three years of planning and praying and waiting for this trip to truly materialize. And it would have been easy to give up and just get busy with our American lives, but we didn't give up. And after three years, we finally were at the airport last month on April 16th. And guess what? Our flight was canceled. Not only was our flight canceled, but all the flights to Newark, New Jersey that day were canceled. So we spent hours rebooking our flights, all of the flights, the connecting flights, everything had to change. It was clear that the enemy did not want us to go on this trip. But greater is he who's in us than he who's in this world, and God worked a miracle, and by his grace, we got there on time. It truly was a miracle. But when we arrived, I mean, this trip was no easy missions trip. I mean, we were up at 4 a.m. We left by 6 a.m. We traveled two to three hours to these remote villages on treacherous roads, because I don't know if you know this, but Malawi, a cyclone just hit Malawi, and sadly, just so many people are do not have homes anymore, and the roads were truly destroyed Um, we literally had bruises on our bodies because the roads were so bad Um, but all this to say like when we got to these locations God enabled us to teach with such passion and to love these people that it was just be God I think sometimes maybe you've experienced this like God makes you so tired and so worn out in life that he truly gets all the glory because you know we could not have shared with 1400 women and seen 230 women give their lives to Christ like in our own strength it was totally God it was all for his glory And another beautiful blessing I want to share with all of you really quickly is that us as ladies and as a team, like we truly experience perfect unity together. I mean, if you've been a Christian for a while, I'm sure some of you have seen that sometimes Christians do not operate in perfect unity, right? Sometimes we can be brutal to each other. Um, Sadly, in my husband and I's life, like we have seen this up front this past year. We've had some really difficult. Things that we've gone through um, in different Christian relationships. So God knew I needed to see that Christians can really live in unity and serve in unity. And it was such a blessing. So thank you for having me. I just want to share with all of you that you don't have to travel to Malawi, Africa to share the gospel and further his kingdom. Like he's calling us to do this right here and right now. And just like Corey has shared with you with Abraham, like maybe God is calling you guys to do something. But you're in that stage of waiting like we were for three years. And waiting is horrible. Um, But maybe you need to move past the waiting. Maybe maybe you just feel like you're compromising in the waiting even, like Abraham did with Hagar later, because waiting can be really hard. But all I can say is don't lose faith in the waiting. We sure didn't. And don't give up on the vision or dream that God has given you. Keep trusting him keep believing, because God promises in Ephesians 3.20 to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine. He sure did in Malawi, and he did in Abraham's life, and I know he will in your lives too. So thanks so much.
0: Let's thank Beth. (laughs) I'm sitting here and listening to Beth and... um, and I look down, and I see my man Josh here, he's got a he's got shirt on, right? it says, yes, by faith. I think that's so, that's so cool. Like, she's sharing, I'm like, oh, this is awesome. Like, Josh is like, right front row, yes, by faith, right? That, that's what this is, right? Yes, by faith. Giving, giving God our yes. See it in our lives, we see it in Abraham. And you know what's awesome when we give God our yes? We see God move. Thousands of people giving their lives to Christ. Hundreds with these these women. We can see God move, act, and and work. And if you look back at at the text in in Genesis chapter 12 and and verse 2, God's speaking again and he says, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. Right? Remember we said God calls and God uses us, but it's God ultimately doing the work. Right here in verses 2 and 3, there's, God says, I will. Notice all the I wills. I'll make you great. I'll bless you. I'll make your name great. I'll bless those who bless you. I'll curse those who curse you. I'll bless all the families of the earth through you. And if we go back one Verse, at the end of verse 1, it ends up with God saying what? I will show you the land that you're supposed to go to. Seven times here, God gives up Abraham and I will. He's just saying, hey, Abraham, I'm calling you. I'm going to use you, but you need to trust me. I, God, will be the ultimate engine to getting it done. And here's what we see for, for us today, where it applies to us. Our role, like Abraham, is to just recognize where God is moving And just join him in that activity. It's not so much about us just going and doing a bunch of things on our own and saying, hey, God, join me over here, as it is much us opening our eyes and saying, God, where are you at? I'm willing to join you in your mission and your activity. I'm joining you. I'm not asking you to join me, right? And do you know, we read it right here, Abraham learned something amazing. Beth alluded to it while she was talking to it, right? Abraham learned he was blessed to be a blessing, He was blessed to be a blessing. We touched on it earlier, but this story would ultimately wind up with with Sarah, who couldn't have children, becoming pregnant, having a son. That son would lead to the 12 tribes of Israel, which would become the, the nation of Israel, which would one day lead all the way down to Jesus, the Messiah, the one in whom all the families of the earth would be blessed. God called. God used, God blessed Abraham, and then God moved and God worked and God fulfilled his promises in ways only he could. And here's where this is relevant and relatable and and impactful for us today. It's that God continues, as Beth just shared, to work right here and right now, working through you, working through us. And you say, well, I'm, I'm not Abraham. God hasn't, hasn't called me. He hasn't showed up at my doorstep. I haven't got a text or an email from God lately. If that's your thinking today, young or old, whatever stage of life you're in, I would challenge that thinking if you say God hasn't called me and say, yes, he has. Because this is where the Bible's so cool. God worked through Abraham and then the 12 tribes. We get to the New Testament. And God decides to work through another man, one man, Jesus Christ. And he decides to work through 12 disciples to advance his story of redemption. And when he leaves, he leaves all those who would follow him, all Christians, with a calling on our lives. The Great Commission, go, there, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And he says, don't forget, I'll be with you always as you go and do this. This is your call. This is my call. This is the mission of the church. This is the job description of the church. This is what every Christ follower is to be about until our last breath or Jesus comes again. He calls us to go and reach people with the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when we do, we see the same thing Abraham saw. For you and I, it's this, that in Christ, you are blessed to be a blessing. And here's the great news for all of us. You can relax. You can relax because God will ultimately do the work. You just say yes. Give him your yes. Don't stop halfway. Go all the way. And then watch God begin to move and God begin to work in exceedingly and abundant ways that we could never uh, imagine. That you in Christ are blessed to be a blessing. And you might just be sitting here thinking, well, where do I start? How do I do this? What does this practically look like? I just want to share two ways with you. There's, There's a bunch of ways you can give God your yes and jump in. But just two simple ways that we have as a church right here, right now that are coming up. The first one is this, we're going to have our wide open world offering coming up the first week of June. Now, we didn't get to experience this last year as a church together because it's right when we launched. We launched right during this series, so it's going to look a little different for us this year. But here's here's what happens at LifePoint every year during the wide open world series. We take a wide open world offering. I'm going to tell you what that is in a minute, but here's what I want you to do. Here's how you can get involved in in this is be praying now until that first week of June about how God may want you to give. Some of us may come to to give because we're going to give that whole week of June and everything that comes in, 100% of everything that comes in that week goes all to missions for the next year. And so some are going to give their normal tithes and offerings, and that's going to be awesome. And some folks, God's going to move and say, I have the ability to give above and and beyond that. But 100% of everything we take in that first week of June is going to fuel missions work for the next year. Like I said, we were launching last year in the midst of this, but last year they collected $202,000, sent 84 people out to eight different cities, to five different continents, and over 400 people came to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And they were able to give half of those finances to help plant churches around the country and the world. This year, we're, we're praying big. This year, we're, we're asking God to bring in $325,000 to do everything we want to do in mid-Ohio, in the Midwest, and in the world. And so this is the first way any of us can get involved is like, hey, I might not be able to go, but I'm going I'm to help somebody go. The second way is just unbelievably tangible. And it affects you the minute you leave here today. And it's this. It's by engaging in God conversations. All of us can do that. God, as as Beth said, God may never call you to put your feet on foreign soil or to go to Malawi, and, and that's okay, but God is calling all of us to reach those in our backyard and in our neighborhoods and in our local communities. And it always starts with what? A conversation. You can get involved in the mission right here and right now by initiating God conversations with those people that are in your circle of influence. It's as simple as bringing up God's activity in your life. What do you see God doing in your life? Share that with others. Be unashamed about it. What's God doing? Just talk about it. And remember it's, it's not your job. Nor do you have the ability. To save anyone. That's God's job. You just share what God is doing. You let God go to work. And just leave the results in his hands. But those are just two. Unbelievably simple ways. For us to get involved to be thinking like, to, to, to be and live missional right here, right now, today. And I think that's so important and so relevant for us because we are at a place in history where people are searching. There's a lot of noise out there, but underneath it all, people are searching for answers. We've come out of a a pandemic. I opened up an article the other day that its headline was like talking about World War III. World War III, are you kidding me? Like is this what we're talking about now? The mental health issues that are out there, the financial volatility of banks folding, the violence we read about day in and day out, people searching for their identity. The door is open and people are searching for answers and they're searching for hope. You know what we have? We have hope. Because we know hope has a name. And that name is Jesus Christ. But we got to tell them. we got to tell them about him. You were designed to be a blessing not only to God, but to those around you. But it requires each of us to take our next missional step right where God has us. So I want to encourage you. Let today be the day that we become available like we sang about earlier. Let today be the day we give God our yes and see just how faithful he is. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, Lord, what a privilege that you involve us in your mission. How special that is. May we not take that for granted. May the fact for many of us, that you you saved us and you have given us life and you have redeemed us. Lead us to just laying down our yes and saying, Lord, whatever you want, I'll go, send me. Lord, remove our fears, remove our anxiety, remove our doubts. Even remove our, the wrong thoughts of thinking, I gotta be stronger, I gotta be better, I gotta be more articulate. Lord, no, let us just let us just say yes and watch you begin to move. I pray that you're just not an attachment to our lives. That it's more than just Sunday morning faith. Lord, I pray you would actually be our life. And we would be unashamed. To tell others about you, Lord. In this series and beyond, I'm praying that you would move, move in us, move through us for your name's sake.